cliffcentral.com Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. Fluby, you're looking fantastic today and it's been two weeks without you here in studio. Did you miss me? I missed you a great deal. How are you doing? But you know what? I'm carrying the flag of Future CEOs high and about and through the nation as usual. Yeah, you were down in Durban, Durban ICC yes. at a conference there. Yes. And great pictures, by the way. Thank you so much. Flying the Future CEOs flag high, development of entrepreneurs, the youth, birth um, well, while and all the good stuff. While you're on a roll, just introduce the show because that's that's what you're really doing here. For all of those of you of you that are listening, welcome to Future CEOs. And if you are a young, ambitious entrepreneur or a young, high potential executive, this show is for you. We upskill, we mentor, we give references to great CEOs, and we also advocate and amplify and catalyze entrepreneurship throughout Africa. And that was we, a good warm up. Uh, it was good. It was good. It was, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. I it's, could do better. Okay, it's, great, okay. it's great to have you back, Libby. Thanks, honey. And it's also great to have our guest back. Uh, we can never get enough. He's our friend. He's our uh, quarterly moments to take a breath and just remember uh, that we must do things smartly, wisely, Dr. Martini, welcome back into studio. It's good to have you here. Where it's a human behavior specialist, leadership and performance expert, author and business consultant, founder of Martini Institute. Welcome to Future CEOs. <laughs> Thank you again. It's like good to have, it's, That's it's how good you to do have it. <laughs> so you are just coming off uh, off the plane. You really just stepped off the plane yesterday, I think you said, yes. when we were off air. Where were you been, Where were you before? I was in Cape Town. Okay. I've been in um, Singapore, Brisbane, Australia, and Malaysia in the last week or so. For all those who have not heard of Dr. Martini, I don't know where you've been, number one. Number two, what he does is he travels. I think you're traveling most of the year. Um, around the world, sharing, presenting, assisting people to really find out who they are and realize their potential. Today, he's helping us do something. Libby, uh, do you want to tell everyone what happened <laughs> up there? And that, that'll be our introduction into So, Dr. D, I kind of exploded <coughs> in the office. So, let's unpack the topic of dealing with difficult personalities at work, especially when you want to become a leader in your business. Can you kickstart that conversation off with us. Is this uh, with people that are, you're the leader and they're employed with you or this is the employees to the leader? <laughs> Which way are we talking? I, I think it sometimes depends on our relationship, <laughs> but it was, it was with me. <laughs> okay. So certainly a colleague, I think, maybe a, a peer in a business, mm. um, a business partner. Okay. Well, it's generally wise to not label people. Okay. Uh, because we can subjectively bias our perceptions over time mm. because of our our ways of communicating with them and mm. we can then assume that that's who they are as an individual okay because each of us if if i was to come up to you and i was to say you're always mean you're never nice you're always cruel you're never kind you're always negative you're never positive you're always uh stingy you're never generous mm. you wouldn't believe me it would be it'd be an absolute label on somebody would not be true. Yeah, sure. If I was to come to you and said, you're always nice, you're never mean, you're always kind, you're never cruel, you're always giving, you're never taking, you're always positive, you're negative, negative, you also wouldn't believe me. Mm -hmm. But if I said that sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're generous, sometimes you're stingy, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, you would immediately 
No. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's very reasonable that. So we have objectivity where we can see both sides of people. Correct. And we have subjective biases where we tend to label people and polarize it towards an absolute. Mm. And this blocks the communication. And the reality is that each individual has a set of values and set of priorities. And whenever they feel that their values and priorities are being met, they tend to warm up mm. and they can loosen up and they're very flexible. But if not, they become rigid. I always say they tax the rules when you challenge their values. They lax the rules when you support their values. Mm. So finding out what that person's you know, primary objectives are and highest values are mm. uh, and learning the art of communicating in those values mm. increases the probability of having a warming relationship. Well, you've hit on a very important point is that communication is not about whether or not there's a transmission of words across a space to each other. Communication is really the ability to tap into, as you've mentioned, values or the, the key message that has been shared. And sometimes these biases or maybe anger or frustration or unmet expectations block that the ability to receive the, the real message and not just the words because the words are there. So well, people, well, we people might say they're communicating. We filter what we want to hear. We see this in politics. We see this on the media. We filter it. And uh, caring enough about the person to find out what is valuable to them helps that in relationship. If you know you're going to be in relationship long term, it's wiser to find out what that is Correct. and master the skill. If you think that this is a transient dynamic uh, and you have alternative systems to go to as far as business, um, then you may say, well, you know, goodbye mm. and move on. But if not, it's wiser to work your way through it. I always say fire up the relationship between before you fire it out. Okay, I like that. So in preparation for the show, Dr. D, we came across a couple of uh, characteristics of people. Or, or maybe, shall we call them labels? Labels. Mm -hmm. The narcissist, the passive aggressive, the gossip monger, the anger addicts, and the guilt trippers. <laughs> what do you think? I think we should address our top five. <laughs> well, I, I can I can see myself in all of those. Okay, interesting. Okay. I, I I think I've played every one of those roles at different moments in my life. Mm. So I I I'd be leery about just a flat label mm. and look at the context. And look at what they're facing. Mm. Because we all, when, whenever our values are challenged, we tend to withdraw. We tend to get more narcissistic in our behavior. Sure. We mm. tend to get more autocratic in our behavior and get less patient with people. And we start to demand. Mm. And then we can be labeled the narcissist easily in those situations. But we're really being challenged and we tend to defense and protect ourselves. That's normal. We can also, if we've tried alternative strategies, we sometimes use guilt trips. We try to bring them down and bring and try to lift us up again. So I, I can look back and everyone you described, I can see moments in my career as a business leader. Uh, I can see I've played every one of those roles at different moments based on my, my not knowing how to handle the situation any, with any alternative. So I've, I, so the, before we put a, an absolute label on them, mm. it's wiser to find out the context and find out how the person's communicating with them. And finding out what role they're playing in the dynamic, because it's, it's, I don't, I don't ever see a victim in there. I just see a dynamic in there. So it's, it's narcissistic behavior, not a narcissist, perhaps. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not label them that way, because in under different settings, they can play a different role. Mm. I, but I've certainly played both sides. I've been narcissistic. I've been very out of my way at helping people. 
and I've also been very focused on me. Mm. I can think of in one day I can I can go from one extreme to the other at times. That's so true. Actually, mm. like that, we can be all. Wait, all if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, "By the way, let's say you're the head of a company," and they come up to you and say, "Well, I just blew a, the biggest client. And we just lost the biggest client." And that means uh, two thirds or a third of your income of the company has just went out. Mm. You're not going to go. Well, I'm so pleased. How's your kids? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're probably going to go. What? And you're probably going to, and it's challenging your values. You'll tend to go into probably a, a narcissistic side. Mm. You'll think about yourself because it's, it's challenging you very deeply. But under settings where all of a sudden that same person came to you and said, I just closed the biggest deal of the history of the company. They'll probably say, I'm so inspired by you. You know, how's your kids? You know, how we're, we're, you'll probably show this altruistic because whenever our values are really supported, we tend to play, we, we calm ourselves down and we're more open to people. But if the other way, we go, we close down and we get tyrant. We can become a tyrant. I guess part of my question then must move into strategies or, or a way to approach these different types of individuals. And maybe we can go there with the conversation. So I, I hear you saying acknowledge that this is part of all of these things are part of you, part of everyone else around you. Uh, but we must realize or, or see that there are those people who just have tendencies toward that kind of behavior on an ongoing, consistent basis. And then you can't really help but call them a narcissist or passive aggressive or well, addicted to anger. Well, sometimes what they're doing is they're not knowing how to manage their position and they're constantly being challenged in their perceptions. And so they're going to play out that role. Mm. And some in another setting, maybe at home settings or other settings in social settings, they're completely different. So, I, again, I'm not I'm not one that likes to put a label on them necessarily. Sure. But um, the way, if I look back at some of the people I've interacted with, and other people have come to me and said, "Well, this person's a narcissist." I've gone in there and chatted with that individual and found them very, very communicative and didn't find that label at all. But but I can see the way that person's communicating because they had a different set of values. They're constantly butting heads on their value systems. And so as a result of that butting of heads, that person's playing out that role consistently in front of that person because they're not knowing how to communicate. They have such – when you meet people that have similar values to it's easy to get along with them. When they have quite different values, you run into banging your head against the wall sometimes. Mm. So knowing how to stretch ourselves and learn how to communicate with people that have completely different set of values – is to all of our advantage to learn how to communicate that way. So, so there are challenging people, possibly in different settings, <laughs> uh, but I, I would not just want to label them flat because I've seen that same person play a completely different role. I, I like the fact that what you're doing is you're putting this responsibility back into the court of the, the person that feels like the other person is a narcissist or feels like the other person may be angry. It may but, simply be an, an unwillingness to learn how to communicate more effectively, and they're just labeling people. And I see this. I see this in, in education. I see this in education teachers that are not knowing how to communicate in the mm. children's values will label them attention deficit, defiant. They'll give all kind of labels. Mm. But that same child under different settings, they're doing fine. They're very focused and they're very uh, – you've seen this. Sometimes a child will in one class, they do really well. In another Correct. class, they do, they're not doing well because of their their, their relationship with that uh, teacher. Mm. And the same thing in employment. You'll find that somebody else is a teacher's pet. And another person's a teacher's, uh, you know, violent, aggressive uh, student. And the same thing at work. You can find somebody that will label that person uh, very evil or whatever, terrible. And another person will say, well, I don't know. I, I think this guy's great. I think he's very dedicated. I saw this in, in profession, uh, in my own profession. Mm. Dr. D, can you give us some tools to be better communicators in our businesses, just to be effective 
and having a space whereby there is productivity. Give us some tools or well, give us some strategies. That we nobody can goes to work for the sake of a company. They go to work to fulfill what's meaningful and valuable to them. And if they feel that the job description and the meaning of the company and the purpose of the company and the vision of the company is helping them get what they want, they're very engaged. They feel it's their company because anything that's fulfilling what's meaningful to them, they feel that this is – they take ownership of. But if they feel that they're not getting what they want met, they're just doing a job. And a lot of people are trapped in that because they haven't found out – they've either been hired unwisely Mm -hmm. or they're in a position because of a need of a job and they'll just take anything they can get. And this is, mm-hmm. uh, leads to low productivity. And then with, uh, when you're a manager or a leader of a company, you have to, you have to take the time, particularly to the, at least the first tier of people you're managing, to find out what they do value and, and learn the art of communicating and articulating the requests in terms of their values the best you can. And good people are hard to find out there. Well, I, I think that what happens is we hire out of a necessity and an urgency mm. sometimes instead of actually selecting Correct. and taking our time to select Correct. and surrounding ourselves with a people that are inspired to do what we want to delegate ultimately is going to be to our advantage. I think Jim Collins does a great job at talking about getting people that are that are really quality people around you, you mm. know, the A people around you on the bus, as he calls it. Mm. And I think that that's a slow process. I think he says it, uh, it takes 25 years to overnight success it's surrounding and building that team over time Mm. and that you i I know for myself that i would probably look back at my life and i'd say for every five people i hired i get one Mm. you know (laughs) you you find one that's really matching and you you you, you try to refine that and learn how to do that more effectively over time and screen them according to what they value because if they're not really if they can't see how the job description that they're going to do every day is going to help them fulfill what they want you're going to be pushing them uphill. You're going to be more of a tyrant dealing with them because they're going to keep challenging you. You're going to have to micromanage them. They're going to label you aggressive, and you're going to be labeling them lazy or something. And these are all labels because of the way you manage. Drucker said very well that that when it, it always boils down to management. It yeah. goes back to management, yeah. who you're hiring yeah. and how you're communicating. That's what boils down to that. So I want to, I want to put us into a scenario, and let's let's work through that scenario. <clears throat> I, you're, you're my boss. Yes, you're my boss. <laughs> I walk in. I'm angry and I'm frustrated. Uh, I, you may not know at that point how or, or, or why I'm that and how I could get to the point where I'm so frustrated that I just barge into your office because it's not my place to even do that. Well, how do you deal with it? What are the what are the the first three questions that you need to ask me, or the, what do you go through to try and calm me down and then get some kind of coherence out of what I'm saying? Well, I'd probably just listen first to find out what's going on because obviously you're you're exploding about something and you need to know what it is. I'd say, what's happening? If if you if you were disrespectful and do it while I'm on a phone, that's a big business deal, and you walked mm. in my office, I'd say, not now. And I'd say, let's schedule a time where we can have this uh, communication. But if sure. you just walked in my office and I was doing some paperwork or something, and I'd say, what's going on? Talk. Get it off. Let, let it out. And just let them go. Let them go and find out what's going on. And find out what it is because they may be giving you valuable feedback that you've been completely obliv- you know, mm. oblivious to. And uh, then find out what is actually going on. And if you have knowledge that they don't have on how to communicate and work your way through that, you give them information to, to help them through it. 
if they found that there was a if they say well i'm not getting along with somebody else in the business um and i can't work with this person this person's difficult i'd probably go and find out i'd I'd listen to your story i'd probably listen to their story and i'd find out what's probably real and i'd try to mediate some sort of a communication between the two i can imagine then that to get into a defensive position would be incorrect so to say something uh, something like i hear you but I hear you, but that's probably not the right way to be able to elicit information from an individual. If if I thought that what they were saying was purely a subjective bias and there was no reason behind it, it was just their distortion, I would probably say, are you sure that's the, the facts? Bring me some objective data to support these facts. Mm. Okay, so objective. I bring it, I, it, it, subjective emotions usually distort things. Getting objective data allows you to go, okay, now here's mm. the facts. Because sometimes we twist the facts with our emotions, mm. and it's better to get some facts. You say this person's not producing or, or this person's not doing this. Let's get some stats. Let's show the stats. Mm. Let's find out what's uh, – and if we don't have those objective data, we're likely to have a more emotional business mm. because we, we've set ourselves up not having objective information. Mm. Um, second scenario, there is somebody who perpetuates the act of bullying time and time again. How would you deal with that person in a business environment now this is the uh, me as the as the boss being the as bully the boss. i'm the boss correct you're asking me why uh, am i bullying uh, uh, <laughs> no, is is the boss the bully no i'm the bully you're the boss okay uh well and if, i'm bullying if i saw somebody that was um consistently over dominating people mm. i would l- first look at who are they dominating are these piece, p- people that are actually suppressing themselves and disempowered? Because disempowered people very commonly get overpowering results around them. Mm. Any area of your life you're not empowered in, you're going to get overpowered in. Mm. I'd look for that scenario because I'd look at my own management structure and see if I've got an overpowered person here, is that because there's a bunch of people that are not speaking up and not feeling engaged? And is, am I, did I hire it and structure it that way? And I've got the overbully because they're frustrated with disengaged people and they're frustrated and they're bullying them, trying to get them to, to work. If not, if I saw a pattern there, I'd also look at what did I do to hire this person? Are they unfulfilled in their job? Is that why they're being challenging constantly to people? Are they unfulfilled? I'd sit down and talk to them. I'd try to narrow down what's actually the dynamic mm. before I would jump to a conclusion they're a bully. So you, all I'm seeing, uh, and I see you out the corner of my eye nodding, and I'm, I'm nodding as well. <laughs> and I hope all the listeners are nodding because this is really good information. Uh, often we would, because of a label, you're a bully. We go in and we don't do exactly what you're describing, which is to understand the situation in its entirety. Yeah, look at the context because because I can see in my own life, when I've asked people, I've been in front of thousands of people, entrepreneurs, and I've asked them, how many of you have ever been bullied? Every hand goes up. Of course. And how many of you bullied? Every hand goes up. (laughs) So I I don't want to just label like that's some sort of bad thing out there. I want to understand the context of why human behavior creates that outcome. And I'd try to understand that dynamic first and see if I could repositioning the dynamics so that's not a symptom. Because the symptoms in business are constantly giving us feedback to bring equity in our communication. And whenever we're not in equity in our relationships, we create these labels, these outcomes. So I'd look at that overall context because I usually can find a reason why that's manifesting. I love the idea of balance. And that it almost is quite a malleable, liquid kind of thing that happens where if you are not in an appropriate space, that there will be something that else, uh, will be something that comes from outside and will fill that space. And often I think we're too passive about the way that we approach these things, even ourselves. 
and we must realize that there are things that are going to be coming in no matter what. Mm. If there's if there's a, an opportunity or an opening, something's going to be coming into that space. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that right? Yeah, because I, when, when I think of those, when you described all those labels, I'm, I was snapping into moments in my career where I played every one of those roles. I, I have so certain true. I have certain played out moments where I've made it guilt statements. Trip. I'm a good guilt tripper. I, I use statements where I use guilt trips. Correct. And and I've also used uh, bullying and I've tantrums. Used, I, I've used every one of those reactions. <laughs> tantrums, Gary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when I, I mean, stop and reflect afterwards, because usually it's a reaction, I stop and I look at what's really going on in my mind at this time and how am I perceiving this. Sometimes it's it's an accurate assessment. And sometimes there's somebody just playing on out a role, and I'm now having to play off that role. Some, believe it or not, role playing. You have to play out different roles. Oh, correct. Yeah, you do. Correct. And some. And Life is Steve a stage. Jobs. I, th- I think Steve I love Jobs. This man. Steve, Steve Jobs um, did a great job when they did his autobiography, because people many times in the business world kind of thought he was this kind of this mystical guy that mm-hmm. just had this creativity and stuff. Mm. But when you actually go digging in there, you find out that he had all those labels at times. Uh, when I read a, a book in a, dealing with uh, Bill Gates and and his partner, right, um, I, I saw those same behaviors. They had moments when they played out those roles. And I've certainly been in enough board meetings to see that all those roles get played out. Yep. And yep. so I, I, I think that it's unrealistic to expect a false idealism okay. and, and to set this – that we're supposed to have a peaceful environment at all times. I think that's delusional because when I ask people – Thank you. Thank you for sh- saying that because so it really true. is. But so when, it was okay like earlier. <laughs> when, I, when I ask uh, how many of you had peace and war in your family, every hand goes up. Sure. And how many of you have both peace and war and cooperation and competition and agreements and disagreements in business? All the hands go up. So I, I don't want to promote a false idealism that sets people up to force labels. I'd rather say that, that human beings are human beings and they lax the rules and are more flexible when their values are being supported and they're more taxing and more challenging and they end up being aggressive when their values are, are, are challenged. So learning the art of caring enough about a human being to find out how to communicate their values is ultimately to our advantage. And you're not going to do that at all times because you've got pairs of opposites in management that you're dealing with. People with completely opposite set of values. You have a person that's doing maybe pushing paper, another person that's very social and out there selling. Two different value systems are needed. You can't say, you're not going to manage those the same way. You're going to communicate in a different way with this person than this person. And they're going to label you differently. I, I guess I, I still have this question. Then how do you find out what people's true values are? Because you sit down with someone across a table at, and, or a desk and you say, what are your values? They're going to just rattle off some stuff that you There'll may be not social even idealisms do. and yeah. platitudes. Yeah. No, that's not the way. So how do you do that? You look at how they fill their space. Okay. I went into Corning Company in Corning, New York, which is a – a amazing Corningware is an amazing company. It has the building is made out of glass. They're a glass company. Mm. The whole building is glass. You mm. look through the floors down below. You see glass looking down on floors and looking up at floors. That's it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. But when you, oh, I went in there and, and I was uh, doing a program for him, and I went in there and I found out that that in that company, I walked into the cubicles, and I was pointing out to management value systems, and one this one uh, lady had pictures of her children everywhere. Mm. Okay, so I looked to see if it was the same children. If it was a variety of children, I thought, okay, maybe we've got a pedophile here. <laughs> but it was the same children at different ages. So I said, okay, well, this tells you that her values are her children. Over here, we see a guy that's got gadgetry, technical gadget, 
gadgetry everywhere. He's a tech guy. And over this person's got trophies of bowling. Okay, well, this guy wants to talk about bowling. This person over here, same for golf. This person over here has got books everywhere. So he's a reader. So when you're managing them, you look at how they fill their space. You look at what they spend their time on. You look at what they are energized by and show and, and, and open up their eyes with. You look at how they spend their money. Okay. You look at what they're, where they're very organized and where they're disorganized. That tells you their values. Where they're disciplined and where they, they never get around to doing things. That tells you your values. Instead of labeling them, just know that people are always lazy in their lowest values and always very diligent in their highest values. Mm. And it's, and you, somebody could label me as lazy when it comes to working out. Mm. They can see me very dedicated when it comes to studying. Mm. I'm both. I'm lazy and I'm dedicated. Mm. It all depends on the setting of values. You, so there's so, the, the, there's this, there's 13 uh, value determinants that I use, and I and I may not be able to use every one of them when I'm working with somebody, just observing, but I can use at least six or eight of those pretty quickly to determine what they value most. And if not, there's nothing wa- unwise about going to them and saying, in order for us to have the greatest relationship in business as possible, it would really be helpful for both of us to know what's really meaningful and important to us. I'd like us to go through a, a series of questions to help narrow that down so we are better at communicating. That's a great That's, that's a, a good starting point. point. That's a mm. great point. Don't be afraid to ask them about what's important to them and not just what they think it is socially ideal, mm. what their life demonstrates. Yeah, your exactly. life demonstrates your values, not your social idealism. Not exactly. Dr. John D. Martini, keeping it real in leadership success. Yeah, and unfortunately we've run out of time and that's um, it's been action-packed as it always Always is. Doc- I love the, the. You see how we actually flipped the conversation, you know, no, to make. It, I don't know what you mean. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I. We went in with a structure, and you came out and revealed some real great leadership tools and skills. I about, messed up your structure. Yeah, you did. And as usual, for all the right reasons, as usual, as usual, making us think differently about how to handle our, our businesses in the correct and profitable and manageable way. Thank you so much. Well, I, I, I get labeled periodically, and I, I look at that, and I go, that's true under this setting, and the opposite is true under a different setting. Mm. So I'm all the above. No matter what you say about me, it's true. Keeping it real. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Demartini. We'll be uh, up... What, what's up next? CEO of All All Life Insurance. It's Ross Beerman. We'll see you right after this break. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. CliffCentral.com.